Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. And hello, Mike. How are you, sir? Hey, Matt. What's going on? Nothing. You just caught me just wagging my Wiimotes around in my office here. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, at least someone's using their Wiimotes in this day and age. I feel like most of them now have been put in the closet next to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys or the, the Power Rangers or stuff like that. That is much better because it's safer that way because Wiimotes yeah. end up through a window, through a TV, injuring the person next to them. They're very dangerous, Mike. Yeah, the Wiimote was a projectile weapon. I don't think we understood just how dangerous it would be. And the stories that the Wiimote destroyed so many TVs or ended up in people's walls or hit someone in the face because you were too overzealous while playing Wii Bowling and you accidentally threw your Wiimote somewhere. Or I think boxing was really the one that probably got people to damage their TVs to the point where you couldn't play a Wii game without Nintendo reminding you to make sure you got that wrist strap on. Or, so or, by a, or years later, I think they released those like condom looking things, which were those like rubber yeah, no thanks. covers that just were like uncomfortable. So they, they were terrible. I, I hated, hated using them. I, I don't know anyone who actually used them. Everyone I know just used the Wiimote without the rubber protector. But anytime you go into a store and every time you saw it, it was disgusting. Yeah. Like it, it, it had been touched by a million hands. No thanks. But the Wii was the Wii is an interesting, an interesting story. It is, but let's talk about the game. Yeah. That kind of started Wiimote injuries and kind of the Wiimote what it was capable of. Let's talk about the game that kind of started the motion control extravaganza, Mike. And that game is Wii Sports. What do you remember about 2006 and this game developed and published by Nintendo? You know, I got a Wii on launch day. I was one of the lucky people who was able to get a Wii the day it came out. I was working at GameStop at the time and I had put some, we were, we, no one knew when pre-orders were going to be live. So I put like $200 to pay for it in full on gift cards that I just left at the store. And I said to my manager, Hey, if, if when we, we pre-orders go live, pre-order me a Wii if I'm not in the store. So I was lucky enough to be in the store, I think when we did pre-orders. So all of us who were working got our pre-orders in first. And then obviously I pre-ordered Zelda and the Wii would launch in November, 2006 and Wii Mania Kind of hit immediately. Was it, it was, like two weeks before or after PS3, give or take, I remember? Like a month between? I don't know. I know it released on the Sunday before Thanksgiving yes. of 2006. I'm not sure. PS3 might have released a few weeks before that. I don't think they released the PS3 after Thanksgiving. So nobody was buying the PS3. We had tons of them. Like you, you could get them anywhere. Nobody, there was no real reason to own a PS3 right at the gate unless you wanted to play Resistance Fall of Man, which was like their killer app. But it was a six or eight hour game and then you were done with it. The Wii just had so much promise right out of the gate. And I think it's because Nintendo kind of embraced Apple 
they embraced the whole Apple mentality of everything. Apple had ripped off Nintendo in the past with pretty much how they handle their software and how they have lockout and you can only buy game, you can only buy apps through the Apple Store. You can't launch any other apps. Like the Apple of the iPhone era really cribbed a lot of a lot of business policies from Nintendo from the 80s. And I highly suggest you listen to a podcast called Acquired, where they talk about the beginning of Nintendo through like the NES. And it's a very good podcast. You should totally take a listen to it. It's about three hours long, but it's fascinating. And a lot of stuff I already knew, but just hearing it again and hearing the Nintendo story again is crazy. But it looks like when the Wii comes out, the way it's designed, the way the lettering is, how it's the the gray lettering on the white, box. It's very Apple-ish. And I think it just appealed to people. I think it appealed to people right out of the gate because one, it was 200 bucks or 250 bucks. It was relatively affordable. And it had this controller that was super accessible and different and unique. And packed in with it was Wii Sports. Wii Sports, which seems to be like the reason why the Wii sold for at least the first few years. Now, the hardcore gamers of us all, we're buying Zelda, right? Wii Sports was kind of like, ah, hey, you got that with the console. It was a pack-in. Which is the other great. launch games. The Wii was Red Steel, I think, was like the other like early launch, like hardcore game. Yeah, it was Red Steel, Zelda, and and Wii Sports. Yep. And Wii Sports appealed to everyone, right? And it was one of those things where you sit and you play Wii Sports, and at first you're like, this is really cool because the motion control, is it super robust? No. Is it sophisticated? Not really, but it works for what Wii Sports is. And obviously, eventually, motion control would get better with the Wii Motion Plus, which they would eventually make better Wiimotes for later on down the line. But playing Wii Sports for the first time in your house with the Wii Sensor Bar and being able to swing a baseball bat or play Wii Tennis or golf or bowling or boxing... It really taught you what the console was trying to be about. This kind of easy, everyone's on the couch. We're playing a simple motion game with our family and friends, and everyone can play it. You don't need to be a gamer. All you need to do is be able to hold like one button and swing this thing around. And it was really special. And I remember getting the Wii, and I I had a, a bunch of friends over like a week later over the Thanksgiving weekend. And just, we played Wii the whole time. And mostly, it was just Wii Sports. We kind of just played Wii Sports the entire time. And we would hop back and forth between games. And we would bowl for a little bit. Then we'd play tennis for a little bit. Then we'd golf. Then we'd box. Then we'd hit baseballs. And the graphics weren't good. But the Miis had this weird personality to them that you know was kind of like your personal avatar on the console and in the game. And I think it was just, I think the success of the Wii was that one, Wii is fun to say, and that's huge. Obviously, Wii U is not as fun to say, and it's crazy confusing. It was marketed incredibly well. This was a console that was sold on the back of people wanting to play something simple, almost to the point where I bet you of the hundred and almost 102 million Wiis that sold, I bet you... Most of the people that bought it, bought it for not most. Yeah, actually, I would probably say most because most people aren't hardcore gamers. But I would say I would think a, a pretty high percentage or higher than we'd think had v- probably bought it for Wii Sports and then had very little else on the console. 
it was it's kind of this it's weird that it's a watershed moment because it seems so simplified as a video game but when you think about it this kind of brings us all the way back to like the power glove what nintendo nintendo always loves to pull from their history and motion based control had been part of the Nintendo ecosystem really early on. Wacky peripherals have been part of the Nintendo ecosystem really early on, whether it was the running pad, the zapper. Now, this was essentially a zapper built into a controller, whether it was the the power glove or the Rob robot. Like This is kind of in that lineage of Nintendo being a, a toy company. And what Wii Sports feels like, it feels like a collection of like toyetic toy games that like really good versions of some junk that you would buy at like Target for $20 that you would hook up to your TV and it would work for like, or your, or like it had a projector in it that you would use on a wall for like two hours and then it was, it would no longer work. So it felt like it was like the most robust version and the most intensely designed version of a, of kind of like one of those toyetic, like almost like, I don't want to call it a gimmick game, but it, it's, it's kind of like that. Yeah, no, this is, you're right, Mike. This is a Nintendo, again, taking a big swing and a hit, but sometimes they take swings and misses. Nintendo always liked to innovate, like you said, their toys, their tech, whether it was a rumble pack in the N64, whether it was all the different peripherals, Super Nintendo having Mario Paint and giving you just always, they were always trying different things. And this was probably their biggest swing, abandoning what worked, which even though the GameCube wasn't a hit, it, it worked having upgrading graphics, having a traditional controller and putting out software. This was them saying, no, we're abandoning everything we've done since Nintendo, the NES, and saying we're making motion controls and a completely different controller be the basis of our new console for the next five, or this became almost a 10-year, a long, long lifespan to the Wii. It was a huge gamble. In this game, you would not call this game perfect in terms of graphics, or sound or spectacle in terms of what it's doing on the screen. There's no great story or characters, but it's charming and accessible. And that's why, like you said, on a Saturday night, you were pulling out Wii Sports and you're playing that with your buddies back in 2006, 2007. And in between my sessions of Twilight Princess, when my friends came over, whether it was in college or on a break or with my family even, which this became a family game. This game became you playing with your grandparents, with your cousins, with your aunts and uncles, with your friends. This game crossed over the barrier into, we've talked about sim games. This was mainstream beyond the point of anything. Most games that had ever come out before it, where your grandparents played this in retirement homes, this reached a whole other level. And I want to really get into it, Mike. You've talked about some of the me's, some of the sports Let's really dive in. Let's dig in. Let's concentrate first on the five different sports here and what you thought of them kind of individually. You know, first one that I think most come to mind is bowling. Yeah, I'm pretty sure bowling is the best of them. I think everyone liked bowling the most. Bowling felt like to the point where most people refer to it as Wii Bowling, right? Because it, it felt the best. Wii Bowling worked the best. I mean, after a while, like once you get good, you pretty much get a strike every time, but it worked the best from the get-go. Like Wii Bowling was the most fun and it was great for people who didn't play games, right? It was great. That's why it sold in retirement homes because they could just play Wii Bowling. 
yeah, for hours. It required very little movement. We'll get to some of the others later that require a little bit more in terms of intensity. But you're right. It required very little. It replicated the act of bowling very well. Yep. Um, so you got that motion down really nice. And bowling video games, I don't know about you, Mike. I played a couple on the NES that were decent. But this was really the best thing that had come out to really capture the sport in a game. Yeah, yeah, because you're actually doing the bowling motion. And I think the appeal of bowling is you throw the ball, right? The appeal of bowling isn't you hit a... When like, a meter goes up or down. Yeah, right? like that's not that's not fun, you know? So I think bowling was just, it was by far the best of the games, like right out the gate. Like bowling was like the reason to play Wii Sports. And then there's a few others that I would say do things very well, but might not succeed as much as bowling, probably tennis, baseball, golf, boxing. Which of them, Mike, would you say were kind of next up in line? Yeah, I like the boxing one a lot. I thought boxing was really good and really intuitive for what it was trying to do. Obviously, we would see the boxing style use more. See, that's the thing with Wii Sports too, is you can look at it and go, oh yeah, I see what they're, what, what they're actually doing here is they're testing out the gameplay style for other Nintendo games that might come out later. So when you see boxing and you're like, wow, this works really, really well, strangely, like by keeping your hands up and you have used the nunchuck controller and the, and, and this one will actually, you'll throw this one and it'll destroy your TV, but you switch back and forth and it's very much what they would eventually do for punch out when they put, made punch out on the Wii a, a handful of years later. So um, I thought boxing was was solid. And I thought it was like of the Wii games, it was like the only one that you might actually get a quote unquote workout with. And when you go and play something like Beat Saber on MetaQuest or whatever VR device you use, that also still kind of feels like Wii boxing. Like it feels like it, it goes all the way back to that. Like I don't think people understand that while virtual reality was still absolutely absolutely happening in 2006 even though it kind of it kind of moved away from the consumer market i think that we was like the first step towards like home consumer based vr in terms of the controls and how the controllers might be able to work with gyroscoping and things like that and uh, we boxing was a really good i think we boxing to me was the most technically impressive of all of them, even though I think Wii Bowling is easier and better, Wii Boxing felt like it, it felt really good. Well, it I would only get better. What you're right about is that some of these games use a lot more AI control, where the yeah. AI would actually move your player or control more aspects of the game. What you're right about is boxing and bowling. It felt like you did the most. It felt like you were in the most control Yeah, compared to some of the other ones we're going to talk about. Tennis is one that I, I think is fun swing in the racket, but you're not controlling your player. Yeah, I think tennis is the weakest, actually. I like tennis the the least of the of the bunch. I think I think that it's it just never felt right. Tennis never felt right. It always felt like we were you were gonna miss the tennis ball. It just it just it didn't feel good. And it was even harder when you would play in doubles. Yeah, doubles like you, did you, get tricky. You almost need the nunchuck in tennis to move around so you could swing with the other thing. Like that would work way better. Yeah, and then after that, we have baseball, which there is a lot of AI control in terms of running the bases and the movement in the field, but they let you pitch and swing. And I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I like baseball better than tennis for sure. A little less than boxing. I, I, I thought that I thought that that baseball was actually quite a lot of fun. It's more of a solo game. It's not really the best for like a couch multiplayer situation or like a family room type thing. 
but I really did have a lot of fun with with baseball. Yeah, baseball was a solid one. And then last, it rounds off with golf, which golf can be a pretty intricate sport when you play like the Tiger Woods ones that would eventually come out on the Wii and it gave you more club control and changing the where you're going to hit the ball and the spin on it. This kind of simplified things, but it never felt great to me personally. Some people might have enjoyed the golf aspect more than I did. Yeah, I thought golf was okay. Obviously, it didn't get a lot of play. It didn't get a lot of play. I'd rather just play a Mario golf game that has a lot more personality and gives us more kind of kind of what we're looking for in a golf in a Nintendo golf game. I, it, I think you need golf for like something like the Wii, but ultimately in the end, I, I thought golf was it was fine. I, I didn't love it, but I also I think I liked it better than tennis. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think tennis is probably the weakest in the bunch, but something that these games did, Mike, all five of them is it got you a little more involved physically in a video game than we're generally used to. Us lazy, lazy gamers, everyone thinks of us sitting on a couch, sitting in a chair, and this game made you move around a bit. It almost borderlined exercise, Mike. Yeah, almost. Almost. That's a big almost. (laughs) Hey, listen, whatever you need to do, it's all good. And it's it's we got us up and moving, but like we were having fun and we got tricked into exercise which is the worst type of exercise. Yeah, no, it definitely is. You want to at least choose to be breaking a sweat if you are. Yeah, I want to choose to be miserable for that 45 minutes to an hour and a half, five days a week. But what was interesting about bowling and golf is you only needed one remote because you're doing taking turns. You can actually play like many players and just use one controller, pass it around, while the other ones, you only had so many people that could play at a time. So yeah. There's some turn-based nature to games, like we were used to as kids, sharing the controller. This kind of put it back to, again, one person watches, everyone's saying, ooh, and ah, as each person goes. And it was a kind of like community feel to the game. Also, there was an in-your-face mentality with a lot of it, especially bowling. Especially bowling, which is like, you could just totally just turn around and be like, what are you going to do now, you fool? You're terrible. You're not going to get a strike. I just got three strikes in a row. Call me Captain Turkey. And, and, And then they gutter ball, and then you can laugh at them. Yeah, there's definitely an in-your-face smack talk part. There's a party game aspect to these games that even though it's casual and sometimes people you know, put their spin on it, might have a couple drinks while you play a game like this because it, it is a party game at the end of that the was, day. That's the thing with Wii too. If you like to enjoy a beverage, if you're one of those people while you're playing your video games, you you, you only need one hand for Wii Sports. <laughs> so you can have something in whether you're like me and it's a polar seltzer or it could be like something, something that might make you... F- feel drunk. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, All I know is that I played a lot of Wii sports with a lot of people who like to drink and it was always a good time. It definitely adds an extra bit of challenge. But the problem, it definitely adds a challenge to the game, but at the same time, it definitely ups the likelihood, increases the likelihood that a Wii mode is going through your TV. A a Wii injury. Yes, absolutely. A injury. A injury. Mike, you said it before, the Miis, the characters you created in this game, this didn't have Mario in it. This doesn't have Luigi. This game, you created these Miis, which were kind of the first, I'd say, real avatars. Xbox copied it sort of afterwards, the avatar system. But I feel like this was the kind of the origin, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone copied it, right? PlayStation had PlayStation Home where you could build your PlayStation character. We had the me, which was just, people would spend hours making me's. Hours. 
and they would make memes of their all their favorite cartoon characters or comic book characters or friends and everyone had to have my 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 we people made presidents <laughs> yeah they made everything my we had all my friends on it and among other things and you know that was part of it it was they were goofy looking but they were simple and fun they were almost like it's it was it was it was almost like a real just simple stupid version of your friends and everyone looked goofy goofy right yeah. everyone looked like a goofus and and it worked like it, it totally worked so well worked. and so that's simple. why playstation tried to do their thing xbox did their thing with avatars and like and both of them playstation and xbox would go to copy the motion controls with playstation move which ultimately became a part of PSVR and then the Connect, which I guess kind of blew up in their face. They even had like Wii Sports like games on Connect that just never went anywhere. I think it was just the charm of 2006 and this new technology and these really clean but simple graphics and the motion controls at the in their infancy and being able to make big dumb Wii characters. And I think it all kind of coalesced into like this perfect package that even Nintendo since then hasn't really been able to recapture. Obviously, Wii Sports Resort was a big seller for the Wii later on with Wii Motion Plus or Wii Sports Club on the Wii U, which was, you know, kind of a reimagining of Wii Sports with the gamepad then also being used. And more recently, Nintendo Switch Sports, which I probably has done well, but not, none of these have done as well as as Wii Sports, even though, to be fair, Wii Sports was a pack-in, so like the 70 million in sales is really just tied to like the Wii being so popular. Yeah, most of them were pack-ins. So let's, let's talk about that for a second, because I think that's a topic in itself, Mike. This was the first sports game included with the launch of a Nintendo system since Mario Tennis. Nintendo had done pack-ins before. It wasn't the first, but... I think making this game a pack-in was a tremendously bold and smart move. I think if you release this at launch at 40 or 50 or even $20, I don't think it reaches the mass market appeal. I don't think it becomes on NBC and ABC. I think because they included this game with it, it made the, the Wii a revolution. And you got to thank Reggie for that. Reggie Fisame, the the ex president of Nintendo of America, who left Nintendo of America a handful of years ago to be replaced by Doug Bowser. Reggie Fisame, that was his thing. And any interview you hear with him, that was his push. Nintendo of Japan did not want to sell Wii Sports, did not want to pack in Wii Sports with the console. Reggie says you need to pack this in with the console so people know what the Wii's about and it will sell the console like crazy. And he took a gamble and he was correct. He was 100% correct. The Wii is not nearly as popular if this isn't packaged in with the console. Now, say what you will about the Wii, and I will say a lot of things about the Wii that I don't like. The Wii is not my favorite Nintendo console. It was filled with shovelware. It really lost steam after a few years. Its sales slowed down. It sold really well. I mean, over 100 and 101 million units. And I think we all kind of got tired of the the Wii waggle by the end of its life. But at the time, this including this as a pack-in was like a perfect scenario for them. It sold like crazy because of that. And you have to give credit to where credit's due. The folks over at Nintendo EAD, which I don't think exists anymore. I think they kind of combine all their teams into one giant team. Nintendo EAD, who they're the Mario team. They're the team that made the Mario games and the Zelda games. This game was... The, the, the producer on this game was... Um, Katsuya Eguchi, 
who would also create Animal Crossing and, and produce Animal Crossing. He's been with Nintendo since 1998. He was a level designer in Super Mario Brothers 3, which goes goes to show you once again that Nintendo just keeps their people and puts them to work in, in other places. Like We see that all the way back to Gunpei Yokoi, who was a, a kind of a, a tech uh, when Nintendo was making playing cards. He worked on the machines and fixed them. And eventually he would go to create the Game Boy. So, you know, Eguchi had been with the company since Mario 3 and he was the producer on Wii Sports. And this is a big reason why the Wii sold so well. Like people just wanted to get their hands on Wii Sports and it was good for your little kids and it was good for older people. It was good for the whole family and it was a perfect living room device. Yeah. And like you said, this was like a showpiece for what Nintendo's hardware did. This kind of showed people... This is what the Wii is. This is what the Wii does. But also agreeing with you, I think it ended up in terms of software, it hurt some of their first party stuff that felt forced to use this motion controls. And then we all got sick of people actually buying the software. The actual gamers kind of started putting their pitchforks up and be like, this is not how we want to play games. And we got some bad versions of a lot of Nintendo's first party games with some of the worst content they'd put out. And some of the third-party stuff was junk being put out on the Wii, but you can't argue with the results it got with Wii Sports. You definitely can't, but I remember you look at a, at a wall, and I was like I said, I worked at a GameStop in, until 2008, so I pretty much experienced like two years of Wii working there. When you would look at the wall during the PS2 era or, or the PlayStation 1 era or earlier or, or a little later, you would see the wall, and if there were 10 games on the wall, for the older consoles, PlayStation 2, GameCube, Xbox, PS1. If you looked at the wall and there were 10 games on the wall, I would say seven to eight of them were, were at least good. When the Wii came out, it's you were lucky if you found one. Yeah. Because no, it's, it's true. That's, that's the problem. It's a victim of its own success because it was so successful. Everyone wanted to make Wii games. And so many of the Wii games were so incredibly bad. And even like you said, the first party stuff, some of it's excellent, but some of it also just... Personally, I think it's probably one of the worst Mario Karts. I know some people have a soft spot for the it's Wii the worst. It's I think it's the worst one. I think it's the worst one, even though the attach rate and the sales are still through the roof. I think it's one of the worst. You, people will say what they want about Twilight Princess, but it's not one of the, usually in the top three or top five of Zelda games, which some people consider it a GameCube game. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Mario Galaxy is a fine game one and two. They're fine, but there is still... People that look back on that as as some of the weaker, more linear Mario games out there. So it yeah. it, is, it 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 really they kind of put themselves in a hole with a lot of the motion controls. Yeah, it's funny Mario Galaxy and Galaxy Two. I mean, there are people that will will die for those games. Yeah, they will die on that hill. And I'm not here to say anything bad about Galaxy One and Two. I actually like Galaxy One and Two a lot. But I know that there are also folks who are just like, you were tired of it. You were tired of the Wii nonsense. I would rather just play with a regular controller. But then you go and play it on the 3D All-Stars version, and it, it stinks with a regular controller. So it's like, yeah, this yeah you're constantly with trying to like adjust the screen. You're constantly trying to get yourself motioned properly. And it's frustrating. It's just proof, once again, that Nintendo innovates through their hardware and their software follows. They yeah. make software that works for their hardware, and they're still doing it with Switch to the point where the Switch has essentially two Wiimotes on the side of it with the Joy-Con, which is just an evolution of the Wiimote. So 
Yeah, Wii is an interesting console. It's a console that did well for the masses, but hardcore fans did not like it. And I think ultimately set them up for failure because the Wii U had no chance to live up to it because they tried to do something innovative again and it blew up in their face. But in 2006, November of 2006, it was magical. It was a magical time to be a Nintendo fan. It seemed like Nintendo was back on top of the world with the Wii and the Wiimote and Wii Sports just would go on to just do incredible, incredible Mm. things. And it continues to do well. It continues to be just kind of one of the most important pieces of technology and software of that era. I mean, well, Wii Sports would pop up in everything. Yeah. Well, a couple of things that it did special at the time, Mike, that we don't discuss often these days. This became where Nintendo would default make all of their games widescreen, which yeah. at that point, GameCube, everything was four by three. So we used to get now, this was like the first, this and Twilight Princess were 16 by 9, which was a big deal as people had moved to widescreen TVs. You started getting progressive scan against standard uh, on the the Wii, and you'd get, this game was 60 frames per second, which Nintendo tried to always do with their games, but you started seeing it more on the the Wii generation, where you'd start seeing some of these technological things kind of follow for the Wii. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's, it's clearly a trend. It's a, it's a, a uh, turning point and a transitional point for Nintendo to kind of get into whatever the modern case is. But this is also also the first time that Nintendo no longer was going to compete from a technological yeah. standpoint. They did not need the most powerful machine. And they still don't need the most powerful machine. It's crazy how well they do with having a weaker machine. Yeah, people say actually the Wii hardware and the Wii U hardware and the Switch hardware are all not all that different, that they're marginal improvements off of one another. So you're you're 100% right there. Mike, I want to give you some stats on this game because the the impact and the, the success of this game is bigger than anything else you can say about how great the actual content is. So let's talk about that. It's considered one of the most influential games of the 21st century, usually in the top 10 most influential, important, impactful games of, yeah, that that, makes sense. of its decade. By the end of 2007, Wii Sports was the best-selling Wii game, which, yeah, sure, not a problem. The game sold 45 million copies by 2009, so that's yeah. three years. By 2011, 75 million. And then to this date, they say somewhere over 83 million copies. Now, again, sold, quote-unquote, they were packed in probably in at least 75% of them, we'd say. Yeah, yeah, we would have to say that most of the time that was a pack-in of the... I don't know how long Wii Sports was a pack-in. Eventually, they changed the pack-in game for the Wii. I think they changed it to Mario Kart, especially when they ended up getting, going with that that like small Wii yep. console, the red, the red and black one that didn't have GameCube drive in it anymore. So, yeah, no, man. You can't, you can't look at Wii Sports and not say, you know what, this game has is influential it's very important and it really honestly for nintendo it's just a gigantic deal Well, for that it became the best-selling single platform game of all time yep it became the fourth best overall so even if multi-platform fourth best overall and yep. also bears the distinction of being the best-selling nintendo video game of all time so you're talking this was on tv this game yep. was in news reports it was all over the place and i think it's credited with attracting more casual, uh, more gender. It didn't matter, male, female. You were playing this game, elderly gamers, kid gamers. 
this was a bonding experience for families, quote unquote. It was an exercise or a way to lose weight for for people of certain yeah, ages. We would see more of that with Wii Fit later yes. on, but Nintendo was definitely back on the peripheral game with the the Wii. Yeah, no, absolutely. This put them more in that direction. Now, Metacritic, we bring that up on most of our episodes. This game cracked a 76, which I think is respectable. I think uh, so. Yeah, we're usually talking about games in the 90s, but this game, a 76, is not a slight at its impact or its importance. But this game was fun as all hell. Yeah, it was a good time. And obviously, we normally like to talk games that are really close to cracking 90, but I feel like Wii Sports is in the Hall of Fame because of what it represents and what it changed and its overall influence and the success of the console. The fact that it made Nintendo put Nintendo back on, on top of the world again big. Like we hadn't seen that in 2006. We hadn't seen that in 15 years. So yeah, the uh, 64 really and the GameCube, while they did great things for certain people and certain gamers, neither one of them was a home run. Neither one of them won their generations. The Wii clearly won. It was not the most powerful. It won its generation. Yeah, and you see a lot of that mentality carry over to the Switch. Yeah, the, yeah. the Switch is it's it's. It, it is something that it's there's an intangible nature there. Nintendo is fun and games first before they are power. And I know people like to complain about Nintendo not having more powerful consoles, especially when some of the games like Pokemon from last year didn't look great. But ultimately, in the end, I don't really think it matters. The games that look incredible right now are boring. They're not fun. Or the remakes of excellent games that are able to kind of isolate what made those original games so very good and capitalize on that and give you incredible stuff. Yeah. We're in a world right now where where AAA development sucks, for lack of a better word. And I'm not saying that because games are changing. I'm saying that because they're staying the same. I'm not trying to sound like an old man gamer here because I'm not. Every game's the same. Everything feels the same. You got the most the best graphics in the world, you've got the most powerful consoles and you're churning out really pretty and beautiful. It's not garbage because they're not bad games, but you're you're churning out gorgeous mediocrity. Yeah. And we're we're 17 years removed from the innovation of Wii Sports and we did get last year the Switch Sports, which I talked about the sequels and some of yeah. the spin-offs of Wii Sports. Yeah. I didn't personally try it out. If it was a packing game, I gladly would have. I was not spending $50, $60 on Switch no. Sports, but I bet it's fun. I bet still in, in 2023 or 2022 when that game came out, I bet the games on there are are, are prettier, more accessible, even more fun than ever. But I, I didn't personally try it. I don't know about you, Mike. No, I didn't try it. Like Reggie was right. People aren't going to pay $50 for a sports game like Wii Sports. They, it should be a packing. And I do believe that at some point, if they haven't done it already, there will be a Switch Switch Sports Switch pack-in deal, because why not? I would I would try it at some point, maybe if it was really cheap, and I could pick it up on the cheap and get a group of people together to give it a shot. But I think you're right. This was a lightning in the bottle. This was a moment in time. It's hard to recapture that sort of essence. And I'm sure they weren't expecting to do $100 million or $80 million in sales for Switch no. Sports. no. But if it did three to five million, I bet I'm sure the numbers were out there. I think it was still successful. Yeah. But it's just not going to reach the masses like a pack-in game for, no. for a revolutionary console. No, definitely not. But hey, you know what? Power to them that they're still keeping with this franchise that so many people liked. 
Yeah, you know, it's definitely a credit to them. So we love the inspiration. We love the just the magic that was We Sports at that time because it's not easy, like you said, to come up with something new, fresh, creative, and to really break through like We Sports did. Yeah, no, definitely not. And hopefully we will see more breakthrough like that in the future from different games. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that is our game for this week, Mike. We have the 17 year old Wii Sports, which wild. Oh, it hurts, man. <laughs> it hurts. It does. Mike, tell us all out there on the always happy, never sad, lovely internet where people can find you. Yeah. You can find me here every week with the Hall of Fame video game podcast. Uh, Matt, you do a terrific job. So thank you for putting this together. And you can find me all over social media at the underscore Mike underscore Stow. But you can also find me at my band, Bad Mary. You can find us at badmary.com or search out Bad Mary Band. We actually have a lot of really good stuff happening for us right now. So we got some new shirts. We've got a tour coming up of Japan. We've got a couple of really big local gigs coming up that you can get tickets for. So just go, you can find all the Bad Mary stuff there. If you're into loud, fast rock and roll, you can also find me with my other podcast, the Batman Tasticast. So you can search that out at Batman Tasticast. We talk a lot about Batman. And then you can find me with Long Island Retro Gaming. We actually just did an event last weekend, which was an 80s night. And there's another 80s night coming up on April 29th, 2023 at the Cradle of Aviation. It is a real fun time. 80s arcade games, karaoke contests, costumes, a bunch of old 80s and 90s video game machines out. Really great stuff. Definitely something worth your time to come and check out. Or you can go to our expo in August. It's August 11th through the 13th of 2023 at the Cradle of Aviation Museum. We take over the whole museum and boy, is it a lot of fun. And I also host the podcast there and do videos. So search LI Retro or Long Island Retro Gaming out all over the web. And as always, Mike does nothing with his time but twiddle his thumbs. So we thank him again for joining us each week here as my co-host. Yes. And thank you for having me. And I want to thank you, Matt, for, for being the best host. I try. So, guys, I appreciate all the listeners out there. We love the ever-growing audience. It is fun to see each week as more of you tell your friends or we just show up in more search searches. So thank you so much for, for finding us out there. But do take the time to leave a review. That Please. is very helpful. Check out our social media. We are at Hall of Fame pod. And then also email us at the Hall of Fame pod at gmail.com. So please, please reach out to us, connect with us. That is so much fun. We have tons of awesome games we're talking about in the future. And we have now what's about 120 in our back catalog. So wow. wild, really, wow. really wild. How Incredible. Much? Incredible, Matt. It's, it's been a, like, it's been a few years. No, it's been about a year, right? It's no, no two, two years, years, two yeah. and a half years. Yeah. Two and a half years, man. It's, it's been fun, dude. It's been a really good time. I think we started this during during COVID, right? During, during the pandemic. And yeah. we have now, it's a pretty well-rounded Hall of Fame at this point. I think if you gave me a desert island with these 120 games, I'd be pretty happy at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I will say this much. I feel like we need to go back and redo some old episodes and give some episodes more Give some games a little bit more time. We did well, a lot games of those. like Resident Evil 4 and Metroid Prime that are like more relevant than ever. And we talked about them as like throw-ins and like we talked about two two games in those episodes. They didn't get the time they deserved yeah, in the sun. Uh, they need, they, we need to go back. We need to go back and talk about Final Fantasy 7 again. There's yes. a lot of stuff, especially with, with the remakes coming out and being 
equally impressive as as their 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 um originals you know metroid prime we've talked about the remake here like ad nauseum it's so good and same thing with resident evil 4 the resident evil 4 remake is like new and and familiar but also groundbreaking but also like still let you that resident evil 4 is like a top five game of all time like there's a reason why resident evil 4 is so good and there's a reason why AAA development is so boring right now it's because it's it it really showcases it like seeing resident evil 4 metroid prime in action in 2023 updated really shows you just how how the kind of the 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 factory churn of modern game development has kind of lost its way a little bit because resident evil 4 is incredibly modern the remake it's incredibly modern but at the same time it's fascinating how good it still is it's fascinating how by making modern improvements to one of the best games ever made you've got an even better game and uh, resident evil 4 remake is fantastic we should go back and talk about both what's so interesting about those two games in particular mike is that they were both huge shifts in what those series were doing previously. I mean, both yep. of those games reinvented those franchises. Everything you thought about Metroid and Resident Evil changed in those games. And you go back now 20 years later for both of them, and you're like, wow, those original games were so good as they were. And we somehow decided, let's let's give some modern sensibilities to them. Hey, man, viva la GameCube. That's what I'm going <laughs> to say, baby. The GameCube... Listen, it was tough being a GameCube fan in the mid in the early 2000s. It was a really tough time. The games, the droughts were gigantic. Like people look back at the GameCube now and go, "Oh man, the GameCube has a great library." It's like, no, it didn't. It had a terrible library. We would get maybe one or two games a year. And what about E3 where they showed Pac-Man versus? Was that E3 2006? Oh, that was the worst E3 yeah, of my life. Like, like <laughs> you. You, you, it's it's easy to look back at it in hindsight and be like, well, the GameCube had some good stuff. It was not easy being a GameCube fan. But games like Metroid Prime and Resident Evil 4 were like always the feathers in your cap to be like, listen. Even Wind Waker. I mean, this is a Wind game Wa that yeah. was not appreciated when it came out and now it's beloved. And that just, I feel like that is the GameCube in a nutshell. It is. It is. And you know what? Long live the cube. Yeah, that little purple cube that could. So. We will always remember the GameCube here, but that is our episode for this week. Thank you, Mike. And guys, we will see you all next time. We're in April, baby. So oh, man, games be coming. We'll see you guys later. Enjoy. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.